Last week, I introduced a series on why we use the King James Bible. Actually, it was two Sunday nights ago, and we considered Satan's strategy. Remember from Genesis 3, Satan wants to cast doubt on God's Word and then offer a modified version. And to this day, the devil is still attacking the Word of God through omissions, additions, and substitutions. And for tonight, I'd like to continue to lay some groundwork for this series. I don't know if this will be short or not. Let's pray that it is. <laughs> so, why would a church choose to continue to use the King James Bible? Well, the issue I want to consider tonight is preservation. God can, God has preserved His Word through copies. God still does so today. Just consider our printing press. It's all copies. (laughs) The Bible you hold, it's a copy. Now, why is this thought necessary to explore? It's important because many people have said they will only believe or they can only trust in the original manuscripts. Well, that's a problem, because there are no truly original manuscripts left. At least not on the earth. (laughs) In fact, the King James translators did not use the original scrolls upon which the penmen originally wrote, because the originals were no longer around. Therefore, they had to use copies of the original. And the same is true for all versions of any Bible translation. It's all coming from a manuscript that has been copied through time. So when someone says they can only trust the original manuscripts, then unbeknownst to them, they are really saying they don't have an inspired Bible that they can trust since all we have are copies. So it's Not a matter of having the originals, but it's a matter of whether or not God has preserved His Word. The Bible itself claims preservation in many passages. I just want to give you a little bit of an idea. Psalm 119.89 says, Forever, O Lord, Thy Word is settled in heaven. His Word is preserved. But what about on earth? While we may not have the original parchment that was used to pin the Bible or pin down the Bible, if copied correctly, then the Bible contains what the originals contained. And so in that sense, we still have the originals if those originals were copied from the preserved manuscripts and not from a corrupted manuscript. Therefore, the question is, can God preserve His Word through copies? And I want to show you tonight, God can do that without error through copies. We'll begin by going to Exodus chapter 31. Familiar account. By all indications in the Bible, there was no written Word of God until God gave Moses the law written on tables of stone. I'm sure you're familiar with the account. Moses is called by God to go to the top of Mount Sinai 
And while there, God gives to Moses the Ten Commandments on table of stones. And if you're there in Exodus 31, look at verse 18. And he gave unto Moses, when he had made an end of uh, communing with him upon Mount Sinai, the two tables of testimony, tables of stone, written with the finger of God. What would you do with that? Well, he smashed them and broke them, but... uh, (laughs) Chapter 32, let's look at verses 15 through 19. And Moses turned and went down from the mount, and the two tables of the testimony were in his hand. The tables were written on both their sides. And on the one side and on the other side uh, were they written. And the tables were the work of God. The writing was the writing of God graven upon the tables. And when Joshua heard of the noise of the people, as they shouted, he said unto Moses, There is a noise of war in the camp. And he said, It is not the voice of them that shout uh, for mastery, neither is it the voice of them that cry for being overcome, but the noise of them that sing do I hear. And it came to pass, as soon as he came nigh unto the camp, that he saw the calf and the dancing. Moses' anger waxed hot, and he cast the tables out of his hands and break them beneath the mount. Uh Uh-oh. We've got a problem now. The original has been destroyed. So what are they going to do? If they can only trust the original manuscript, they've got a big problem. Because the originals have been broken beyond repair. Chapter 34, please. Verse 1. And the Lord said unto Moses, Hew thee two tables of stone like unto the first, and I will write upon these tables the words that were in the first tables which thou breakest. <laughs> Lord, thou knowest my heart. And be ready in the morning, and come up in the morning unto Mount Sinai, and present thyself there to meet me in the top of the mount. And no man shall come up with thee, neither let any man be seen throughout all the mount, neither let the flocks nor herds feed before the mount. And he hewed two tables of stone like unto the first. And Moses rose up early in the morning and went up Mount Sinai, and as the Lord had commanded him, and took in his hand the tables of stone. And now look at verse 28. And he was there with the Lord forty days and forty nights. He did neither eat bread nor drink water. And he wrote the tables upon the tables the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. And so if you'll notice in in verse 1, God says to Moses, And I will write upon these tables the words that were in the first tables. The original word of God was copied without error by God. And therefore, the copied word was identical to the original tables of stone. It was the same words, and so it carried the same authority. Now, actually, I'm not going to have you turn to this one. I, I decided not to read the whole chapter to you for the comfort of the saints. Jeremiah 36, if you have time to read that, the Word of God comes to Jeremiah 
and he pins it down. He has somebody actually do that. And the word is presented, and I think it's the king doesn't like the word. And do you remember he takes a pen knife and he cuts out the pages and he, he ends up burning the word of God. And, and so God says, you need to, uh, telling Jeremiah, you, you need to make another. And so he makes another copy there. And because of the action of the king, if you'll read that, you'll see at the end, there is more added in that case, but it was because he burned the word of God. And, and the original, uh, nothing was lost from the original. And there's examples like this uh, throughout the Bible. I'm just trying to highlight a few of these. Now, if you'll, if you'll jump all the way to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 11. Jesus says here, I am Alpha and Omega. The first and the last. And I say, Amen, Hallelujah. What thou seest, write in a book. And send it unto the seven churches, which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, and unto Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. So God here wants this letter sent seven out to seven churches. They all need to have the same message given at the same time, which means this will be seven copies of the same word, right? And so in this case, all seven copies would be identical, preserved in the copying process by the Holy Spirit. And it proves again God preserves His word through copies, which was also true of Joshua in Joshua 8.32, where the Bible tells us that Joshua wrote there upon the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he wrote in the presence of the children of Israel. God has given the pattern in His Word that He has preserved His Word for us through copies. God ordained copies. God has no problem overseeing the entire copying process. Now, you might be wondering, where's all this discussion of copying leading to? Well, don't turn here, but in Daniel 10 and verse 21, God says to Daniel, I will show thee that which is noted in the Scripture of truth. This is the only time in the Old Testament that the English word Scripture shows up. And what it does is it ties Scripture to truth. Do you catch that? He says, I will show thee that which is noted in the Scripture of truth. And by the way, in all 53 verses that you'll find the word Scripture or Scriptures, none of them are in reference to the actual originals. But they are all in reference to copies of the original. And God called those copies Scripture. That's important. Since God's Scripture is truth, then God's true Word will know nothing of confusion, errors, controversy, contradictions, whether it's the original autograph or copy. Therefore, if there are no inerrant Scriptures except as those contained in the original autographs as the critics claim, 
then we have much bigger problems because this would mean there are no scriptures of truth left today because we have no originals. And this can spiral out of control very quickly when you start going down that idea of, well, I just can't trust unless I have the original. Well, good luck reading it anyway. You probably don't even speak that language, but whatever. Um, and, and so we've got to be careful because this can get crazy. In fact, if, if only the actual originals can be trusted, then what are we supposed to do with some of the Proverbs? Proverbs 25.1 says, These are also Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied out. Well, can't trust the original. Then you can't trust most of your Proverbs. Do you see how this can just get out of control is what I'm saying. And we can think about God's instruction to the kings of Israel. In Deuteronomy 17, 18 and 19, it says, And it shall be when he, and this is speaking of any king over Israel, it shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book out of that which is before the priests, the Levites, and it shall be with him, and he shall read therein all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, to keep all his words, or excuse me, to keep all the words of this law and the statutes to do them. Isn't that amazing? God expected the kings to copy the law. If I understand that correctly, they should copy the first five books of the Bible. And um, that might be good practice, but What's interesting about that is they were to take a copy and they were to use that copy to read from all the days of their life. He doesn't say go to the temple, look at the originals, but he says take the copy. I want you to read that. I want you to learn from that. And through a copy of God's law, kings were to learn to fear God and keep his statutes and all those things. And so therefore, God must believe that copies can be trusted. Now, I want to further show you how unreasonable it is to claim only the original autographs can be without error. If you will, please go to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Jesus is coming out of the wilderness after his baptism, having been tempted of the devil. And we read this beginning in verse 16. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there were delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, or Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. So knowing from Daniel that scripture is truth, Jesus reads from the Old Testament. They wouldn't have called it that, of course, but he reads from what we call the Old Testament, and he says, this day is this Scripture fulfilled in your ears. And then 
uh, what Jesus is saying here is that truth is being fulfilled right before your eyes. This is amazing. Wouldn't you love to have been there? So we've got to ask the question, was Jesus reading from the original Hebrew autograph? If not, then he might have been reading from a copy of the original or maybe a copy of the Greek Septuagint translated from Hebrew. We'll get to that down the road. But the odds of this book that Jesus reads from this day being an original are not very good. The, the book, he's reading the book Isaiah. Isaiah, this was, he would have been over 700 years earlier that that book would have been written. Um, and so it would have been very old. And if by some miracle the actual original was still in existence it would have been very unlikely that the synagogue in the small, despised town of Nazareth, can any good thing come from Nazareth? It's very unlikely that he's reading from the actual original. Therefore, I think it's clear Jesus is reading from a copy. And yet, Jesus calls this copy Scripture. And that's important because he's saying this is truth. And what Jesus is demonstrating is he had faith in copies. Wow. Also noteworthy from this account is that Jesus speaks of fulfilled prophecy. He says this day is it being fulfilled. The need for unfulfilled prophecy to be fulfilled demanded that God preserved his word. Right? How are you going to have a preserved word and have prophecies not yet fulfilled? God preserved his word. Now, there were synagogues in many towns. And they would have had copies of what we now call the Old Testament. And therefore, when Jesus told a group of people one day in John chapter 5, he, he said, search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. There's no way the entire crowd possessed the original manuscripts, the original autographs. But Jesus would tell them, anyhow, search the Scriptures. And he could do that because Jesus knew that they had been preserved through the copying process. Let's look at one more example, Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. This is a famous chapter of where a very important verse has been removed in modern Bibles. We'll look at that down the road. But for some reason, belief in Jesus is taken out. Hmm. Acts chapter 8, let's read verses 26 through 35. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot and read Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? He said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. 
And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself or of some other man? Now, wouldn't you wish every soul winning opportunity was like this? You know, what? You mean you were just reading from Isaiah 53? <laughs> awesome. Uh, whatever the passage was, I might have misquoted that. Uh, anyway, this would be wonderful. But let's keep reading here. Where am I at? Somebody help me, Sydney. All right. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same Scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Can I just stop and preach for a second? Just stop with your opinions. What did he preach? He preached unto him Jesus. You want to reach souls for Christ? Preach Christ. Whoop! All right. We better stop there. It's Sunday night. Y'all are ready to go. All right. So here's an Ethiopian eunuch. I doubt this Gentile has a copy of the original autograph written by Isaiah. But he did have God's Word. He had a copy of God's Word. The Bible called it Scripture in verses 32 and 35. Therefore, because it was called Scripture, it must also contain truth or be truth. It verifies again that in order for it to be an errant Scripture... The text does not have to be the actual, original autographs. So, don't fall for the lie that you only have something trustworthy if you have the original autographs, that somehow you have something that cannot be without error, that what you possess has errors because it's not the original, it can't be trusted. God is able to providentially preserve His words through the copying process, and He has. God gave us the pattern in His Word, starting all the way back to giving Moses the law and having another copy issued just like the original. Now, if you didn't get much out of this, that's that's okay. I'm not offended. Um, I want you to stay with me as we go, though, because we're going to keep building on this as I lay this foundation on why the Bible is preserved. But here's the thing. Why is it God's preserved Word for English-speaking people? And Here's what a lot of people will say, and I don't know why I'm going down this road. It's not in my notes, but, um, well, why are we so special that we get a preserved Word of God who speak English? How come other languages didn't? You ever heard that argument? Well, how come we can't go back in time and ask, well, how come only the Hebrews had the original in their language? How come it was only in Greek when Greek was the predominant language? Aha, that's the answer. God has always had a preserved Word of God in the predominant language spoken in the world. And that language today is English. There's no denying that. It is the language of the business world. It is the language all around the world that people communicate with. I've mentioned that in different messages. Even the airline pilots that fly internationally have to speak English because that's the language that's used. So that's why it's it's preserved in English. say, well, that doesn't sound real fair to all the uh, dialects in Papua New Guinea. Well, take it up with God, okay? So, in conclusion, we can trust faithful, accurate copies of the Word of God. If we can't, then we can't say we have the Word of God today. And we know that isn't true because God loves us enough to ensure that we have His preserved Word. Without error, we have the pure Word of God. Now, here's the thing. Since we're saying... And by we're, I'm saying those of us who agree with this issue. What we are, when we are saying the King James Bible is the translation that is trustworthy, 
then we are saying the manuscripts that the King James Bible was translated from were preserved through copies. Therefore, if modern versions are not as trustworthy, somewhere along the way, something got corrupted. That's the connection I'm ultimately trying to make. And I'm going to show you this as we go through this series. How did we end up with corrupted manuscripts? Now, somebody can come to me and say, well, you know, those manuscripts were preserved through the copying process. Whatever, I'm not going to go there. The the point is, there's a manuscript that is preserved, a set of manuscripts. There's a set of manuscripts that were not preserved. One is corrupted, one is not. Where do you want your word of God from? So we'll cover all this as we go. Until next time, let's be dismissed in prayer. Look at this, man. I'm getting you out early. I expect some sort of bonus. Amen. Actually, I'm just excited. I don't have to study this week. Amen. Anniversary days, what, what? All right, before I have a celebration fit, let's pray.